This is the Cato Daily Podcast for Monday, August 24, 2009. I'm Caleb Brown. A piece of legislation aimed at saving taxpayers' money on student lending will instead cost some $40 billion. Neil McCluskey is Associate Director of the Cato Institute's Center for Educational Freedom and author of the book Feds in the Classroom. He comments. The nucleus of the Student Aid and Fiscal Responsibility Act is really based on things that President Obama was campaigning for, wanted, uh, campaigned for, um, and has been pushing for. The main part of that is to eliminate what's called the federal, well, it's the Family Federal Education Loan Program, but it's basically where the federal government guarantees loans from ostensibly private companies. In other words, the private companies get money in private capital markets, but if a student defaults, the government pays back all the money, or almost all the money, to the lender. They also get various subsidies, things like that. We said, let's get rid of that, and let's have the federal government lend all this money directly to students. There's already a direct loan program, but it was pretty small relative to guaranteed lending. And that was a major thing that he campaigned for, saying we'll save lots of money if we go to this, you know, cut out the middleman, basically. Then President Obama then... Candidate Obama also said, we'll take a lot of this savings and we'll increase Pell Grants. In fact, we'll set the rate of increase of Pell Grants at the rate of inflation plus one point every year. And he wanted to make it all mandatory spending. So this bill does more or less that. It it would get rid of guaranteed lending, make everything direct lending, and a major component of it is to have lots of additional money, about $40 billion over 10 years, go to Pell Grant. Pell Grants, and enable it to rise at the rate of one point, or inflation plus one point each year. There's some legislative maneuvering as to whether or not that's all mandatory, but at least for about 10 years, that would be the effect, is, is inflation plus one. So that's all stuff that the president was campaigning on. As you point out, one of the key differences between direct lending and uh, guaranteed lending is where the government writes the check. Uh, in this piece of legislation, you say that the government's writing the check up front, whereas with guaranteed lending, the government only really gets involved if these loans are not repaid at some point. Right, for the most part. So with guaranteed lending, they, they do pay, the government pays these lenders certain fees and there's subsidies for interest rates. Um, but most of the expenditure would be at the back end, especially when or if a student defaults. With direct lending, the government is putting all that money up front. So it's taking the tax money, and then it's assuming all the risk that goes with that. How has Congress accounted for the change in risk? Mm -hmm. Well, here, now this is where we get into some real problems with the Student Aid and Fiscal Responsibility Act. Based on this idea that they're going to save lots of money going from guaranteed to direct lending— the, the main author of this bill in the House side is Representative George Miller, the chairman of the Education Labor Committee. And he said, based on a CBO estimate from June, that while going to direct lending, we'll save $87 billion over 10 years. So that sounds great. They said, okay, and we'll, we'll put a lot of this into Pell Grants. Not so great. That's a problem because it creates this floor under which colleges will never charge because everyone can pay whatever the Pell Grant amount is. But anyway, so they would do that. But here's where the real problem steps in. Not only is he going to do the Pell Grant part, but he's added all sorts of spending 
that nobody was would naturally associate with this. So there's money for community colleges. There's money for elementary and secondary education school building. There's money in there to have these grants that would essentially have the federal government require states to have more or less federal standards for pre-kindergarten education. So lots and lots of spending in this bill that, that wasn't you know supposed to be part of it. And then he also made the promise, again, based on the supposed savings from guaranteed to direct lending, that there would be $10 billion left over for deficit reduction. Well, now things changed after the bill was actually written, and it, it passed very quickly through Miller's committee, not surprisingly, because he's the chairman and author of the bill. And three days after that, the Congressional Budget Office put out their estimate of the actual cost of the bill, not just the savings from going to guaranteed direct lending, but of the bill. Well, lo and behold, they said, actually, if you calculate everything in this bill and the, the costs that will be associated with the government doing more of the lending you're going to cost taxpayers about $6 billion over 10 years. It's not a ton, but it is a lot when you consider that the bill is being sold as being a $10 billion deficit reducer with all sorts of other expenditures that were supposed to make people think they were getting something essentially for nothing. Then after that, the CBO came out with another estimate in a letter to Senator Judd Gregg. They said, well, and if we actually calculate the risk of these loans, because the money's front-loaded, then you'd probably save about $33 billion less. So now we're talking about something that's going to cost taxpayers about $40 billion estimated over 10 years rather than sending $10 billion to deficit reduction. This hasn't really been a front-burner issue, though. Mm -hmm. Well, I mean, exactly. And that, that's part of the problem. So, you know, in politics, the, the, the public can pay attention to some of the really big things and really get behind them. So health care grabs all the headlines. You're talking about, you know, trillion dollars, give or take, a, you know, 20 billion or whatever. And so that's pretty big, even in the days after TARP and after the stimulus where 700 billion, you know, that starts to seem kind of small. So people can pay attention to that. But the real problem is all these little laws like the, like SAFRA, um, that, oh, well, first of all, they're sold to people as a deficit reducer, and they're not, you know, relatively speaking, not a huge price tag, so people aren't paying attention. But this can happen all the time, and does happen all the time, and sooner or later, you know, that $40 billion it's actually going to cost you, that adds up. And when we're looking at it, about $11.6 trillion national deficit, it's inexcusable for politicians not to take something that's supposed to save money without taking anyone's benefits away, so not causing pain to, to current beneficiaries, rather than using that money to save taxpayers and you know, children today down the line from a huge deficit, instead of putting money toward the biggest problem we have, well, they spread it out to special interests again. They reward people who vote for them, teachers, unions, groups like this. And that is what is bankrupting the country. And it happens because Yes, the public can pay attention to some of the big things, but so many little things go on that they simply cannot focus on. And we need people to pay more attention to everything the government does, and especially don't believe what you hear from your politicians often until you've really seen the numbers and you've really looked at it for yourself. Because you know, they're going to tell you one thing to get something they want passed, and it might not, often, might not always be what they're telling you it is. 
Neil McCluskey is Associate Director of the Cato Institute's Center for Educational Freedom. He's also author of the book, Feds in the Classroom. You can order your copy at cato.org.